Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. Helen Keller. Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. And our guest today has built four eight-figure companies as an advisor, investor, equity holder, and companies across various industries. His knowledge stems from health, medical, digital advertising, legal, and real estate. And I'm sure there's more I could add to that. He's been featured on Bloomberg, uh, Success Magazine, Entrepreneur, as a top entrepreneur of our time, as well as a best-selling author and host of the Build to Grow podcast. I'm sure I'm missing a few things there, but we've got Chris Guerrero on the podcast. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, I'm doing great, Lucas. Thanks. Um, one, one rule that I applied into my life about five years ago, because I used to take advice from everybody. Like, everyone gives advice. And I'd be like, oh, great, advice, advice, advice. And then I started wondering why the advice wasn't working for me. And I started looking at who was giving me the advice. And most of these people, you know, weren't, weren't doing what it is I wanted to do. And so I just made a flat rule of I'm only going to take advice. Like the first, when someone gives me advice, the first thing I'm going to say or think is, has this person built what I want to build? Right. And then I'll take their advice and filter it through my own bullshit kind of meter or my own little bullshit filter. You have definitely... Walk the walk. You've built some amazing things, and you've um, you've consulted a lot of projects. So I'm really happy to have you on this podcast because we're going to be diving into. I'm not going to say a massive range, but we're going to be diving into some topics that I really, really think will not only help me but the listeners as well. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show, and I'm excited to get into this. I am too. Hey, I'm, and by the way, I'm gl- I'm glad you said that. I'm glad it's the way we started because I went through the exact same thing with um, mentors and uh, people that I would look up to. And I found several really, really good ones. But one of the rules of thumb that I have now, <clears throat> which has massively served me, is that, um, you know, I'm interviewed on a lot of these, uh, on a lot of shows, and, and I talk to a lot of friends about this. And one of the questions is usually, what's your favorite business book? And I, and I you know, my eye twitches every time it's asked to me because uh, my answer is the same all the time. You know, most mentors, most people who are writing books, um, they are, you know, maybe you get one golden nugget, maybe, but what they're doing is they're, they're looking at Google and they're looking at uh, audible and they're looking at all these giant companies and they're saying, Hey, this is how they grew. This is how they scale. These are all the great ways that they develop teams. And, and they're missing so many of the foundational things that actually make those few things work that when a company is smaller, it's growing, or they're trying to develop their first big team and they look at these books as inspiration, mm. they, they're taking like the biggest topics without knowing all the moving pieces and they're, they're implementing them. So most of the people who are writing these books are authors or they're researchers. They're not actually in the trenches like you and I, yes. actually scaling companies, failing and, 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 and getting the bumps and bruises and, and stepping on the landmines and then saying, oh shit, that landmine's going to be there every time. Let me write an SOP, a standard operating procedure so that my team... Mm can follow around that landmine. And so that every single time we have to walk this path, we never have to get blown up ever again, right? So it allows us to go into duplication mode and then scale things uh, uh, faster and faster and faster. And by the way, you could do that in multiple industries as long as you're staying within your core competency. And we could get into more of that later on. I love on that. I love that. I'm really excited. I'm going to try to not be selfish with this podcast. I've got so many questions for you personally, but I'm like, you know yeah. what? We'll keep it with the audience, but just... Uh, as a as just of a bit of a personal story, is the one thing I learned, and this is probably applicable to everyone listening. And you're probably gonna laugh, and you're gonna you're gonna have a lot to talk about on this topic. But 
you know, the way I've been doing things and I've experienced this, I think, three times now is like you start hitting that ceiling and it's all you know. And then you start looking around and you're like, you know what, the way I've been doing it, it got me here, but it's no longer right. serving. And I can't even imagine when we're talking eight-figure companies that you've built, there's probably many phases of growth somewhere in there of like, hey, I can't do it this way anymore. Let me hit that next level. I think there's a really great book on that too that talks about, um, you know, there's like five or six main phases of growth, at least in this author's point of view. Um, so I'd definitely love to touch on that, but we're going to start right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, where did Chris, where did you realize or discover or start going down this entrepreneurial path? What was your kind of first project, first, first business, first sale, first hustle? Okay. (laughs) I mean, it started in the womb probably for me. I, uh, uh, I, I always was working. I was, I mean, when I was a kid, I was a caddy at a golf course. Jeez, I haven't talked about this stuff like ever. I don't think I, I, I was a caddy. I, w- I worked, you know, moving lumber. I moved, I, I, I did so many different things when I was growing yeah. and going through, you know, high school and stuff like that. Then when I was in college, I was sitting inside of a, 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 one of my classes and I should have been listening to the teacher, the, the professor, but I, I was designing a business card and I was designing a flyer because I wanted to be a personal trainer. So I started a personal training company while I was sitting inside of a hmm. class in college. It what was a the class on? Class. It was, a, it was, a, I went to school. I have a double major. My, uh, one of those majors is a clinical nutritionist. So, okay. um, and so the, um, the class was a nutrition class. So I was completely and utterly bored because, you know, you and I both know a lot about nutrition and we know that whatever they were teaching in college mm, and probably right. they're teaching today is, has been outdated for 10 years to begin right, with. Right. So right. anyway, I was a little <laughs> bit bored and I was sketching stuff out. And when I, I ended up creating this business and I ended up hiring, not hiring, I'm sorry, working with some independent contractors who were other personal trainers. And I became very good at finding clients. Uh, and, uh, and I ended up growing this thing that turned into almost 150 trainers up and down the East coast. And, um, uh, uh, and learned my very first business lesson super fast, which was when you're working with independent contractors, um, it kind of sucks. You know, when it's mm. all independent contractors, people will steal your systems, your technologies, your, your 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 way of doing things, even your brand. They will take. So it is it is difficult. And I've carried that lesson around for a, through a lot of different companies. And one of the and one of the ways that we've implemented that in every single company is that every SOP that we create, every every system that we create for anything, whether it's marketing or it's branding or it's team development or anything. Um, it is, it is, if I, if it is vendored off to somebody, whether we're using like an Upwork or a guru or something, we never give them the entire SOP. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a team that is hired or a person that is hired to implement one part of it. And then another team is hired to implement another part of it and so on and so on. So most mm-hmm. of our SOPs, depending on how intricate they are, how important they are to our company, it's either two to three parts so that nobody could actually steal everything from us. After personal training and learning that, uh, you know, uh, lesson of, uh, gosh, I got to be a little bit more organized. I got into the health club industry. I had a partner at the time, you know, he was one of my clients and he said, man, I love this. I'd love to partner with you. What do you want to do? Uh, and he was the money guy. I was a sweat equity guy for the first year of that. And uh, I bought him out after the second year of being in business because we were growing so rapidly that I we, we were getting visited by the fire marshal and saying, man, you can't, you can't keep having this amount of people in here. We're getting complaints. So, mm. 
about a year, about, I'm sorry, about a half a year after that, because we gave him a free membership to shut up for a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, we finally, I found a new place and a new building. <clears throat> it was significantly larger. And uh, this partner that I had, his name was Vic. He was a great friend of mine. I loved him to death. I loved his family to death. He was a great inspiration to me because he was very wealthy. Um, uh, I bought him out because he didn't want to be part of it. He didn't want the risk of this growth, risk. Uh, which was fine. Over the course of that company, we I grew that into a chain of health clubs throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Sold that company very successfully in 2004. And uh, but but my goal, you know, as a personal trainer, was always help the greatest number of people possible. But as a trainer, you really can't. Like, how many people can you help individually? And then when you have a bunch of trainers working with you, maybe I could help a couple hundred people. In the health club industry, I was able to help tens of thousands of people. Right. And then I, when I sold that, right before I sold it, I decided I really I wanted, what else do I want to do? What else can I use my knowledge for? So I came out with my first health book, which, um, which did very, very well because we used all the marketing tactics that I mm. learned from being uh, uh, in this club business. We used them online on, uh, with books, which was never done before back then. Um, and it was great. That book took off. We sold over 60,000 copies in the first 60 days, another 19,000 copies in the first year. It's gone on to, you know, uh, turn into multiple books, um, e-classes, e-courses, a TV show. I mean, it, it did very, very well. But again, that helped me to now reach out and touch mm. millions of people with that message. So it was very transformational for me. Um, but when what? I sold my, go ahead. What, what, there's just one thing coming up that I, I really want to get in here. What made the difference? I heard you say, you know, they weren't willing to take the risk. I was basically, uh, you had a big vision. It sounds like you weren't afraid to probably fail. There's all these little things, but what made you see so much rapid growth, like always pushing forward? And, you know, I don't know how many years this whole thing was from a, from just a drawing on a napkin yeah. in a nutrition class to health club, to growing, to scaling. I was in the to... club business for over 50, for almost 15 years. Right. So I'll give you a, okay, a, cool. a bit of a timeline there. So I was driven by uh, two things. One thing was fear because even though I was in the club market for so long and we did very, very well and I could go very in depth with how we grew that, um, most of the time for the first, at least for the first decade, our revenue would grow massively and our expenses mm. would Revenue would grow and our expenses would grow, and and it was literally a struggle. And there were times where I had to pay uh, for things on credit cards, and I lived personally on credit cards, and it was a struggle and a half, to say the least. Um, and there were a lot of great lessons, and I believe that um, the speed at which you grow in any kind of an endeavor is determined by how quickly you learn your lessons, systematize them, and then move on. If you that. don't learn lessons, number one systematize them in your own life. And this is not, this is not hard. It is, Hey, if this happens, then I'm going to do this, this, and this, because this is a logical way to get around this obstacle. Right. And then you create that system. You put it aside. I don't care if it's a word doc. I don't care if it's, if it's in your freaking notepad on your, on your iPhone, it doesn't make a difference. You need some kind of a written system to fall back on, even if it's a diary. Right. Um, anyway, so the second thing that I was very, you know, I was pushed by the fact that I really needed to make money. I needed to grow. Um, the second thing was this inner thing that I have, still have to this day, that I need to grow things. I, I get juiced and jazzed by growing things. <clears throat> Back then, when I was in the club market, <clears throat> excuse me, I literally used to feel like I was in this empty bottle with a cork on it, and I was jumping up. I was in my office, and I was 
trying to grow, but I felt like this container that I was in, this single club, no, no, I can't do it. I, I need to have more. Well, I need to have more. I need to reach out and touch more people with this message. I need to help more people in these different areas. Okay, I can't do this in the club market anymore. I need to do this with the, with the books. In order to do this great with the books, I can't be anchored down by the clubs. So there is this, there, there is this fear that I'm not gonna make enough in order to fund this growth. Yeah. And then there's this drive to keep growing, you know, so I don't know how to explain it other than it's, it's an internal thing. Um, what, so to get back to, from the negative yeah. feedback, were there people, I can relate with that very well, what about the people who probably in your early days were like, dude, just chill or just relax or why, oh, why like it's probably thing. still, every single day. yeah, right? <laughs> what, what, what do you, because I get this a lot, like I'll, I'll, we have a big Facebook group of over 3,000 coaches and they're all like, my parents, my family, my friends are telling me to chill yeah. or to do this. What's um, every single minute of every day? Absolutely. Great. Cool. Use every, it as, every, use it as fuel, probably day. use it as fuel or use it as. Oh, you know what? I, I'll tell you right now. Just honestly, that kind of shit um, anchors me down. It's Great. I don't like it. It, it, it. I feel energy sucked from me when people sit there and they tell me, listen, <laughs> slow it down. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? Um, you're doing good now. Why would you do this other thing? Amazing. <clears throat> it sucks. Uh, so my rule is I don't share anything with anybody unless they are on my team and I know that they're going to support me, love which that. again, I don't know if we're going to have time to get into it, but I'll, I would love to get into how to develop teams because, and I don't care if those teams are virtual teams. I don't care if they are independent contractors who are in your office or, or around you or if they're employees, it doesn't make a freaking difference. Um, see how nicely I caught my language there. It was close. Oh, you can, you can let <laughs> it fly. So you can let it fly. Oh, good. I'm so, horrible for um, it. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so developing teams is so important, but, 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 but developing the right team, somebody, people who are not just rock stars at what they do, but also they, they buy into the vision. They right. drink the Kool-Aid with you every single day so that they are bringing ideas to you to expand like, like, like freaking Lucas, why the hell aren't we doing this? You know what I saw this and it's not just an idea, but look, these people are literally walking this path and succeeding doing this one little thing. Let's, I could try that. There's no, I don't need a budget for it. Let me just try that, please. When you have people like that, that are, that are bought into and they take ownership of your growth. Um, it is exciting for them. It's exciting for you. And together as a team, you can grow something massive. That's amazing. We'll definitely be talking about that. I can relate. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so let me, yeah, let me quick yeah, of course. in on the business part because so that was the health area, right? So I sold my clubs uh, in 2004. And, uh, and, and one of the real problems that I had, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners could relate to, is I had no idea how to handle money. We're very, very good at scaling companies, very good at making it, very bad at handling it. So, and, and that was, didn't mean I was frivolous, I just didn't understand it, especially when I had a giant chunk of change that was gonna come in from the sale. So the number one thing that I ended up doing, uh, which was probably the most important decision that I ever made in any of my business ventures, was I started a board of directors. Um, and, and we could get into the difference between a board of directors and a board of advisors, which is also phenomenal, or, or, or you know, there's multiple entities that you could create that are not expensive, but will give you good, the guidance that you need from experts. Um, but board of directors was something that I started. They taught me uh, you know, how to stay inside of my box, how to stay inside of my core competency, yet still reach out to different industries. Every one of these guys owns large companies, far larger than I had at the time. So they were all inspirations. They all brought information from different industries that helped me. And they got me to understand the fact that my core competency, um, scaling companies, building systems, building teams, my core competencies 
were things that they personally didn't have, but they built up tremendous companies. So, so there was that vision that I can work in other industries. Um, my first investment after that, because I had a giant chunk of change come in, I needed to do something with it, um, or at least big for me at the time. My first investment, both in time and in money, was in the venture capital field, So, which I'm still part of to this day. Um, getting into a venture capital uh, business, which, which now has many partners to it, and it's really a tremendous company. But my job or my responsibility in that company is that after a company goes through all the rigmarole of getting funded by us and, uh, and getting accepted into this, where we are going to give them some, some money, we go in with smart money and I go in there and I look at their systems, their people, their processes, and I help to restructure them for growth so that we could, number one, get our investment back in three to five years, but also maintain ownership of a piece of that company, right? So we're going to maintain, in the beginning, we'll maintain 51% ownership until we get them profitable, which is three to five years, the absolute most. And then um, and then we'll main, still maintain about a 30% interest in that company. So that becomes a growing asset in our portfolio, right? Because so the, if, the, if, we, if we invest a million dollars or if we invest $2 million, we want to be able to make them $4 million more profitable how many, so that we can get our investment back. How many companies are and you bringing still, in? Like how many? Well, that's, it's, we don't bring in very many at, right. at maybe a couple so of years. Focused. The absolute right. most. Cool. It really depends, and the reason why is because there's such a such a large demand for need for money by companies. Right. Yet we are we are one we are smart money. We are not we're not just here. Here's some money. Let's just see what you do. That's yeah. a bank. You said smart um, we money. Go in, uh, yeah. I was the gonna... only way that we would invest is if we have the knowledge or right. the relationships that we could bring in that we know is as guaranteed as possible that we're going to help you able to grow that company. That's what you mean by smart uh, money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Cool. So um, since then, also, I've, I've gotten my hands into um, um, the legal industry, a branding company, uh, health companies online. We have a very, very large uh, network of, of health companies online. Um, we have an email list of about three million or so folks in the health industry that we mail on a regular basis. So it's it. it um, but but with all that said, the only thing that I do is what I'm good at, right? in every one of those industries. So my, I think the takeaway from that is the greatest way to grow your own, your own personal life in business is to understand what your core competencies are. Stay in that box as much as you can because every single time you step out of that box, you slow shit down. Mm. And then <laughs> find out what the other few, few, few boxes are needed to grow. Sometimes it's only one more box. You know, you may be, you may be the personality and you may need a marketing dude. And those are the two boxes and you could grow that. That's an easy million dollar company. Mm -hmm. Then you want to grow more. Then you need, you know, customer service. You need, you need some other things, right? But you and I talked about this before we even started yeah. recording, which was getting, you know, getting away mm -hmm. and allowing your team or allowing your vendors to do what they're good at to grow and letting them learn. Like this is what happens when Lucas is not available 24 hours a day for a phone call. Mm -hmm. This is the person I need to talk to, or this is the decision I have to make based on past track record. Mm -hmm. I think it's like you. There is so much pain associated with letting go of identities, or that the thing you're really good at one thing, but there comes a time where you can no longer do it. But it's it, you're naturally good at it because you've been doing it for five years. And to let it go, there's a lot of layers. I I love yeah. business because it's like the perfect reflection or the perfect vessel for personal development. Like if you ain't developing personally and feeling that pain and stretching yourself. Um, and I'm a personal development junkie, so business and personal development, I feel, are like intertwined. Um, you grow at an at extremely fast rate if you want to grow your company or business. 
Without, so, I 100% agree. So, uh, like, I'm just watching you, and you've got you've got all this energy, and it's a pretty common trend to people who are growing some amazing things. They, they, you're you're vibrating with energy. What? And you've been doing this for it sounds like two, three decades. Would that be kind of correct? Like building, growing. I've been in business since I'm 24 or so years old. So it is now 26 or so years. Awesome. So you still got this thing, this fire. Um, you know, all these ideas I just have written down here. What makes you tick? Because earlier you mentioned, well, you had a need for, you know, the, the money and not enough and you needed to fuel the next vision. But when you get to a point, and I'm sure you'll laugh at this because you don't feel like you're at that point, but that point where it's just like, damn, like I can, I got a lot of room to make my dreams happen and to fund this and fund that. What still gets you to wake up and get on podcasts like this or do your YouTube videos or put yourself in the trenches day in, day out? Yeah, it's, it's never changed. My goal has been since I was a personal trainer to help the greatest number of people possible. We did it great as in the training company, in the club company, and uh, as an author. Um, and then, um, you know, in the venture capital field, now I'm able to reach out and help people through these companies. And then one day a week. So I, what I didn't talk about is my schedule during the week, which is um, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Those are, you know, my days that I'm really focused, mono focused on my companies. And nine to nine thirty, I look at my key metrics for each one of my companies. Emily, who's been my assistant for quite a while, delivers that to me. And I look at my key metrics and I determine what's I call it numbers and notes. I look at the numbers and I will take notes next to everything that I believe I need to ask questions about or I need to put my two cents into. And then from 930 to um, uh, to 1230, I am in meetings with my key leadership teams for each one of my companies, each one of the companies that I have a personal stake in. And uh, and I'm talking to them mostly about three things, right? We, our meetings are very, very focused. Everybody comes to those meetings very um, clear on what they need to bring and what they need to get out of it. And our meetings last anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes or so, depending mm -hmm. on the size of the company, the scale of the company, you know, w w what's going on in that industry, all that kind of good stuff. It's easier said than done. I'm like, yeah, we got a 20-minute meeting. It turns into 40 minutes, and there's only one or two people oh, involved. Yeah. Well, there's some well, discipline in that. Right. So so everybody needs to know what to come prepared with. Everybody needs to put that shit out there in the beginning, and everybody needs to follow the agenda. So as long as that's happening, then – and there needs to be somebody, which is probably going to be you, who's very good at saying, hey, let's take, take that offline. So that's awesome. I'm glad you and Jen are talking about that because Jen has a solution for you. Why don't you and Jen – make a note and take that offline right after the call. Now let's move on to the next thing. So it keeps people moving. And after maybe 45 days of doing this, 30, 45 days of doing this, <clears throat> everybody actually falls into this. They become very effective. Um, so that's until 1230, from 1230 to three o'clock or so. I am, uh, I'm an employee of each one of the companies that I have. So I push things forward using my core competencies, right? I stay inside of my box and I do what I'm good at. Um, and then from three o'clock on, I'm with my kids. For, you know, all those days. Now, Wednesday is the only day that's different for me. Wednesday, um, I consult with a handful of companies. It's a, company, it's a consulting firm called Club 28, and I consult with brands that are doing anywhere from, a, you know, a, a couple of million dollars a year to several billion dollars a month. And, uh, and, and I help them to grow using micro companies. And our, our track record is quite substantial. I think our average growth for the uh, members so far is um, was 200 and something percent this past year, and then it was um, it was in the mid 200s the prior year to that, and I could go back, and it's it's always quite substantial, because 
when you're able to throw gas on the fire with some of the things that I'm good at, yet continue to grow with all the specific knowledge that they have, it's usually a perfect marriage. Um, and that is early till late, back-to-back -back calls doing that. So what fuels me, uh, and then I should say, at the end of that day, I, I relax and I go and have dinner with, with my significant other and just recharge. We both recharge together, mm -hmm. which is a massive force. But um, uh, so my drive is this. Uh, I always want to reach out and touch the greatest number of people possible. I want to keep growing. I can do that in my own companies through my teams. I can, I can do that with so many other companies inside the consulting firm by, by talking with them every single every hour on Wednesdays. And I literally end that day wired. I am wired it's because I've got so much great information from their industries and I'm sharing mm. other information. So I'm literally a conduit that I'm sharing with the stuff that is helping us grow in, in the companies that I personally own with them. And they're growing from that and they're sharing more stats with me, which is helping me to help everybody else. It's freaking nuts. It's just a, it's exciting for me. There was, in my early, early days, and this was not a paid mentor, this was just someone who came into my life, I was very frustrated because I had this, like, I just wanted to go, but everyone around me, I felt like, was holding me back, and I thought maybe something's wrong with me, and he basically asked me a simple question of, how tall does a tree grow? And I thought about it, and I, I took, like, a week to think about it, and I had all these scientific answers, and I came to him with the, here's how tall a tree can grow, and he's just like, everything in nature grows as tall as it possibly can. If you're in the open, you know, Arctic, a tree may only grow a few feet, but it's going to do everything in its power and no less than grow as tall as it possibly can. And although all of us humans are wired differently, there's some like you who just, they want you, your potential is the big, you know, redwood forest type tree. Um, and so I just, I just love that when people have that inner conflict, I'm like, just grow as tall as you can. And it seems like you're living that and not apologizing for it. And you're doing some amazing things in the world. It's amazing. Yeah, well, that's that's a lot of fun. But I, I don't think I, I don't necessarily know that that's an inbound trait or if it's learned externally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, I, I haven't met. You know, I'm very fortunate that I hang out with a lot of good people. So maybe I'm just not hanging around the wrong yeah. people. But I love that. but uh, everybody that I've met that I really hang out with has a, they have that drive, whether they yeah. built it in themselves or not. I, don't, I think that everybody, every one of your listeners, if they ever when they feel down and they feel like like the world's beating them up and they feel like I just don't have the answers to get to the next step. It, it is not necessarily, um, it, it's, it's not a sticking point. It is a potential for a breakthrough Great. and everybody's going to feel it. Everybody feels it. I feel it. You feel it. Everybody feels it and we feel it and we hide it sometimes because we are embarrassed and we don't want anybody else to know we're feeling that. Um, but the right mentality gets you to push through it. And then mm -hmm. most all entrepreneurs have that mentality. That's why we have that fucking mm -hmm. disease called entrepreneurialism <laughs> and we push through it and we achieve more. You, you had this amazing thing on your, I believe I found this on Twitter. I, I was definitely stalking you all morning, getting as much information yeah. as I could to prepare. I always do. I, I spend a few hours, but you had this great thing that stood out to me. And just to bring things back, cause you know, you, uh, You've been doing this 26 years. For someone who's been in their first year or two years, it might be just them, maybe someone else helping them, maybe an assistant type of thing, like a very small team or just them. You mentioned this great thing of don't get caught up doing things that aren't moving you forward in life and in business. Always be aware of patterns. Make the best use of your time and continue to grow every 
single day. And I was thinking about, you, you also mentioned this thing about steering the ship. Like, don't let your, it was something along the lines of like, don't let, see the big picture type idea. But when you're in the trenches, especially in the early days, and you've got, you know, you got 12, 14, 16 hour days, and you're pounding away, and you're grinding away, it's easy to, at least I've experienced this, lose focus of the big thing because you're constantly in reaction mode. Yep. Any, and I know a lot of people listening are in this, like they're, they've got a constant workload and they're not sure if it's working because they don't have enough data yet to really know, like they're still feeling things out and, you know, maybe reviewing some data to see what's working, what's not, but they're in the trenches. What's one or two things you would say to someone like that to maybe help them focus or refocus on the big picture if they don't have a team yet to help carry through the day-to-day operations, um, which, you know, we can do, but in the early days, you can't yet. Yeah, well, listen, I, I don't think it ever changes whether you're just starting out or you're attempting to grow something. The, the most important thing is knowing what to measure. And I, and, and I know that it doesn't sound like I'm answering your question, but let me just yeah. give me a moment and I'll, I'll get to it. Um, it's, it's knowing what to measure. I believe most companies and most people measure the wrong things and when, and, and which, which causes a tremendous amount of frustration and, and cloudiness in what the hell we're moving towards. Right? So for example, if you're just starting out, what is your number one goal? Number one goal for almost everybody is I want to mail, make a billion, uh, a million dollar company. Right? Um, and then after that, I want to net a million dollars. And then after that, I want to personally make a million dollars. And then I want to make a $10 million company. I mean, there's certain basics that everybody has in their head, and I don't know why they have it. It's just, it just happens to be there. But the challenge is, is that they look at that, and then they get incredibly frustrated, and they don't know what the hell is happening because they're not advancing fast enough towards that goal. And they get sidetracked by shiny objects, and that fucks everything up. So the number one thing to understand is what to measure. And what to measure is not numbers, it's actions. So what we always do is we, we, when I go into a company, whether it's a company that I am a partner, an investor in, or an advisor in, you know, the number one thing that I want to do is I want to find out what is the big target, what is a big ass fucking target. Like let's just call it $25 million. They want to get from from um, from $18 million to $25 million, or or from you know $100,000 to a million dollars. Whatever the hell your goal is, you you write that. I'm a big believer in whiteboards. Everything that I do is on whiteboards because I think in pictures, number one. Number two, if I do have a team with me, uh, I need everybody to be on the exact same page and and, and and when it's distilled into writing, nobody's on the same page. I promise you, mm, great. you could distill it down and be as crystal clear as you want to and write a fucking book about it and there's gonna be people who get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But when it's drawn on a whiteboard, then everybody could have input on that and really help to fill the blanks in very easily and everybody understands it. Okay. So we create a, you know, a whiteboard um, in our annual meetings, we always have a whiteboard and we put a big number on the top and it will have whatever the number is that you want to hit. And then we figure out what are the prime drivers of that number? What are the most important profit centers? Uh, do you have a, do you have a book? Do you have an e-course? Do you have a consulting program? You know, what are the prime two, three, four bubbles that we could put on there that are, if we, if we really maximize those and we optimize them and we meet or exceed the goals for those, it will help us meet or exceed the big target that we have on the top of that pyramid. Uh, so, so we do that. So I'll give you some examples. Number, if, if our goal is a million dollars and that's written at the top of our whiteboard underneath it, you may have a coach, uh, you know, there's listening that says, well, I have a, uh, an e-course and then I have an online consulting and then, and then another bubble underneath it, profit center might be face-to-face consulting. And 
this the past year I made a hundred bucks in this circle and I made, you know, $10,000 in this circle, I made a hundred thousand dollars in this circle, whatever, whatever it is. Now we have to define every single action under each one of those profit centers that can get us more revenue and help us grow and help us get us the message out to a better, bigger audience for each one of those bubbles. And when we define those actions properly, after we have that on our whiteboards, it usually looks like somebody vomited up on the whiteboard because there's literally <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands of actions for each one of those bubbles. Um, but once we're fully clear and we feel like we got every single action down on that, then we take those actions and we move each one of them over to somebody's process sheet, somebody's task sheet. So you may, if you're the only person in the company, every one of those actions falls underneath you. Impossible. It's mm -hmm. impossible. However, what you could do is you could focus on the most important ones mm -hmm. and then make us enough money to go onto a vendor site and then task off another bunch of those, the most important uses of your time. So one of the quotes that we have in almost each one of our offices, or, and we have plaques on some people's desks also, is what is the most important use of my time right now? Because when you keep reminding yourself of that, then you will keep looking for the right action to take in order to make the most use of your time. Um, and what we do, like I, I mentioned that I run our meetings, uh, I, I run my companies with meetings. I run those meetings with something called a top five list. So each one of the people on my team would choose the top five most important uses of their time from that action plan that day to accomplish. So if they accomplish these five things today, we know beyond a shadow of doubt that we are on target to meet or exceed the goals for that one bubble. And if we meet or exceed the goals for each one of those, those profit centers, those bubbles, we will meet or exceed our big target at the top. It sounds like... I know I have or I had and I'm always working on a problem with organization. I'm like freaking go time and then lay waste to everything is on fire and a few things worked. And then when I started doing a team, they could never keep up or they were frustrated because they're like, dude, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you want. I know you want yeah. this big thing. And I had to learn and get help with taking care okay, here, break it down, structure yeah. it and slow down a little bit. Um, one thing, I just want to share this because this actually book changed my life. It's 108 pages of the One Minute Manager and the One Minute Manager oh, yeah. Meets the Monkey. Such a simple oh. book. But I started thinking in terms of monkeys and like responsibilities and making it really simple. Like simplicity is key. When it comes to building the team, so you're building this team. You've got the in-person team. You've built your systems. You've got these whiteboard meetings. A lot of the people listening have a virtual team. And Perfect. it's been a challenge. Um, like I face constant challenges because there's some challenges that come with it. Um, like with anything, what would you be diving into? Because it sounds like some of these teams, I'm sure you have virtual teams, but the teams we're yeah. talking about here were in-person, whiteboard, hey. No, the whiteboard is both virtual and awesome. in, cool. in person. Absolutely. Cool. And it, there, there are always screens in the back of our war room where we're having these meetings where people are, our vendors are Skyping in or go to meeting oh, cool. in or, or Zooming in. Um, so if you only have a virtual team, I'll get the, you know, the number one, <clears throat> uh, the number one most important thing to do is to have a relationship with those vendors, uh, because they will do far more for the relationship than they will for just a project. So the way we have a relationship with people is by looking at them in the eye, right? So every single one of our vendors, I want to Skype with, 
or, or whoever's the team lead, I want them to Skype with. I want them to have that relationship so that, and if there's language barriers, doesn't make a difference. I can understand somebody better on Skype. They can understand me on Skype. Via email, it's gonna sound like yeah. I'm getting pissed at them. Right. Via Skype, I'm gonna be able to, they'll be able to hear my inflection and say, well, how about I do this? Let me screen share and let me show you this stuff. And then they will have input and, and we get things done much faster, far, far less money because we have a relationship with those people. You mentioned people a lot, and I know in my early days, I, I thought of people as tools. Like I almost hate to admit that, but people were a means to an end to get it. And then I remember, I think it was even that one-minute manager was like, people get results, yeah. and you can have both. People are actually vital to the results. Treat them with such respect or treat them like human beings. Build relationships. And it sounds like it's a pattern for people who've built a mass amount of success is people come first. Yeah. Yeah, so systems are tools, not people. Systems are tools. People, um, our goal is to make our people look like rock stars. So our, our systems have to be built that way. And when there's a failure to reach a goal, we have to look at the systems first. And, and because we probably screwed up by not keeping a system up to date. For example, if you have a paid media system for Facebook, hey, here's, here's everything that we should be doing for this. Are we, doing, are we checking off all these boxes? Facebook changed. Okay, it's not the person's problem. Mm -hmm. It's not our problem. It's not our, it, it's not, it, it, it falls on us, but the problem really is we didn't update the system. So let's get the best minds possible. I'd, I'd wanna buy somebody's, an hour of somebody's time who's an expert, yeah. help me fix the system. Now I can have this lower cost person who works for me implement a great system. That's it, I just need it fixed. Where, where's the fine line between, um... This is something I would get frustrated with, and I still do to this day. Where's the fine line between systems and SOPs and procedures and meetings? Because, and I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, but sometimes there's this like feeling of like, frick, let's just start getting shit. This is taking too long to plan. Uh, can you relate with that, or, or can you share some insight on that? Yeah, well, so that so I I can definitely relate to that, but not from my company, from what I've heard, um, <clears throat> because meetings help us to accelerate the speed at which we reach our goals, always. It's, 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 uh, our meetings are short and they are extremely organized and well run. We only cover three things in every single one of our daily meetings. Um, but we have daily, weekly quarter, I'm sorry, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual meetings. Those are, we have different kinds of meetings for each one of those. Our daily meetings are, are so swift and to the point that it helps, uh, people to share what their five are, what their top five most important use of their time are so that we as a team can make sure that they're choosing the most important actions to work towards. It is far worse if you have yeah. somebody on your team who is not working on something that the team needs in order to go forward. Cool. We have them talk about what is, what is an obstacle that you have, you know? Um, because if we as a team can bang through an obstacle during a fucking 10 minute phone call, that saves hours of bullshit because somebody was too embarrassed to ask us a question. It's powerful, Via I like that. Right? So we, 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 I, am a big believer in that systems. I understand what you're saying. Systems to create a system is a pain in the ass. Uh, and it takes a lot of time if you don't know how to do it. So what we do is we, um, we will, sh we will, if we have an external vendor, one of the uh, requirements in order to work for our company is not just to implement whatever is happening, like run our paid media or, you know, build this web page, but it's to create a system of how to utilize what they just built or how to, you know, so that, so somebody can pick it up and fill their spot if need be. 
So if we already have a system built, then the new vendor that we're bringing in can look at the system and improve upon it. And if the results that they get are better, then those uh, those improvements right. go live. Cool. Cool. I love that. That's powerful. Do you do everything written or do you do implement the new age stuff of I've, I've seen a lot of SOPs nowadays built or procedures or systems built through uh, through like a video or through like a digital database where people can go through it quicker than the old school 200 page ancient, you know, 5.1 A, 5.1 B. Um, do you guys utilize yeah. that or is it all written? Well, all, all of so we're very old school with cool. almost everything. Cool. Here, look, I have paper. I've been writing yeah. notes. Yeah, right. Paul. Did you hear that? Do you even yeah, know right. what that sound is? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I got my iPad with my digital pen here. Store it so, all. Yeah. So we do um, we do things uh, in writing on a um, on a Word doc, and then we video everything so cool. that people can scan through videos. My team uses tools to help implement those things like Slack and Basecamp and things like that, which I never ever log into yeah. because it's a time drain for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You've got, uh, so this is like, everything's been leading to this moment of the whole fail to scale or why do companies fail to scale? But I feel like a lot of it, you've already kind of given clues or answers to of like, well, the people, the systems, sounds like time management, uh, one thing just coming back that I had a fear of, and I still do, so I'm just, I'm being wide open here, is I remember someone telling me way before I actually hired my first person, of like, dude, you should get some help. And I'm like, well, we can't afford it. Uh, let me wait to make some more sales. Let me wait till I can afford it. Finally, hired someone when I couldn't afford it, and they, they, it's a pattern I started getting into, is like, if you know you need help, get the help, get resourceful, it will pay off. Um, in three to six months or however long it takes you to build the systems and get them up to speed. Uh, so maybe let's just touch on that really briefly because I hear it every day. I need help, but I can't afford it yet. I need help, but I can't bring on someone yet, so I need to do it myself. Is that an ego thought? Is that a fear-based thought? Is there a fine line between when you should bring someone on and when maybe you should wait? Or are you doing, have a look at everything you're doing and is 90% or 80% of what you're doing busy work? Maybe let that go so you can have more time. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's very easy to sit back, and I've heard it, even some of my friends say this stuff. Um, it's very easy to sit back and say, hey, um, figure out what you can delegate and delegate everything, right? I mean, that's so common yeah. in the business field. Delegate everything that you're not really good at. Um, it is it is not that easy in business mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, which we don't have time to get into, but mm -hmm. with very basic, um, you know, there's cash crunches, number one, there's there's, I need shit done now, and I know he could do it, but I can get it done in 10, 10 mm -hmm. minutes, he can get it done in two hours. Like, let me just fucking do this shit. Mm -hmm. It is, the entrepreneurial mindset will often not allow you to always let it go of everything. It's important to let go to a certain degree. But I'll give you five, you know, mm -hmm. your, your question was really a two-part question, I think, where you said, you know, how do, how do companies not fail to scale, but then also the team development thing. So I will, I'm gonna give you five Perfect. quick, tips to make sure that you're, you know, built to grow, which is, you know, in the name of our podcast, That's is right. built to grow, right? We'll drop some links uh, in here, yeah. Which, by the way, I was, that was not a shameless promotion. It just happened to fit in there. Oh, we are, we're dropping we some things, links. You've got gold. Okay. Yeah. We make sure that things are built to grow. Um, otherwise, you fail to scale. So, and the very last one is the, is the team thing. So I'm going to start with number one. Number one, know what your core competency is. We already went over that. That's the most important thing. If you don't know what your core competency is, if you don't know what you're a fucking rock star in, then you are going to be frustrated and you're going to try to do everything. 
Number two is use your card competency in the right industry. Now we could go, and by the way, you had mentioned when we first started, you went through the small amount of uh, YouTube videos that we've got out there. We've got like another 128 sitting in a freaking box. Mm. One of those happens to be how to choose the right industry. We're going to be dripping them to you, but unfortunately, we're, worried, we're working on the actual clean template and everything to get it out there for the right brand. But uh, making sure that you're using your core competency in the right industry is the second thing. Um, we, I know industries that will pay four, five, six, 10, 20, 100 times the amount of money for the exact same amount of work because they have deeper pockets and because the service that you're bringing them is far more valuable mm -hmm. to them. Right. So, um, it's, it, uh, um, I could go over examples, yeah. but I don't think we have, have a lot of time for the, to do that. Totally. So number one, know your core company. Number two, um, use your core company in the right industry. Number three, get clear on your goals, right? You need to get clear. You need to get clear on, um, a handful of things. Um, where are you, where are you going? Right. That's important. Uh, what team do you need to get there? Virtual team, um, um, mastermind team, right? Unpaid mastermind team. It could be mentors. It could be, you know, whatever, even if you have, you, you know, if you read uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, one of the things that he says is, dude, I didn't have the money. I didn't have this, but here's what I knew. I needed, I needed a team. I built this fictitious mm -hmm. team in my mm -hmm. head and he had, and they advised him. I don't even, I don't care yeah. where, what level you use this to, but you need to use this, right? If you're going to choose a fictitious team and put that in your head because you literally have no capital and you need to grow this week, then you make sure that you are studying the hell out of the people that you're putting on that team. If Jeff Bezos is one of those people because he did this, this, and this, and this, and you need those core competencies, then study how he use those core competencies. And every time you're having your dream and you're asking him a question, make sure he answers you using that voice, that. right? So, but, but hopefully you advance fast and yeah. get real. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, you have to know the relationships you need to get there, the tasks that need to happen in order to get there. You have to get clear on the daily actions needed to get there. You need to be clear, basically. So number three is Clarity. get freaking clear. Number four is know what to measure, right? We went over that already yeah. also. Knowing what to measure is super important. Again, most companies measure the wrong freaking thing. They're only measuring numbers. We start with a number. We distill that down to actions. And then when we're talking to our team and when we're trying to figure out, are we doing what's best today to reach our goals tomorrow, next week, next year? Are we doing it? We look at, did I, did I do the right actions? You can't make, most, most, most entrepreneurs don't make money every single day, right? They don't grow their revenue every single day. Yeah. You can, definitely. That's a great thing to do. But in the beginning, maybe you're not. But if, you're t if you know the actions are going to help you meet or exceed your targets, then you measure how good am I doing with these actions. Beautiful. Uh, and then number five, the last thing is develop a team. And, uh, uh, and I will tell you, again, it doesn't make a difference if it's a vendor uh, that you hire online, independent contractor, or an employee. For, for this example, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, the most, in, most valuable use of the time that I've ever spent in any company is developing a team, period, the end. Because when you can find a good person, when you can onboard a good person, when you can bring them into your values and your focus and your passion and they buy into it, then they will help you accelerate your growth more than you could ever imagine. And it doesn't make a difference if you're um, a, a, you know, a just starting out company or you're a 10 million or a hundred million dollar company, the addition of one great team member will change everything. It'll change the, the, the uh, environment inside with everybody else 
it'll change your bottom line, it'll change your overall gross, it'll change everything because they will help make you more effective and more profitable. 100%. Scary, but step into it. I know I'm, I've, yeah. I've spent months like in fear of, well, you know, our brains can play tricks on us, but do it. Basically what you're saying is the second you can, or even before you think you can, like, do it, do it, yeah. pull the trigger. Well, do pull it right, yeah. right? Don't, don't, so, the challenge, one of the challenges that we have is people come in here and they say, hey, this is, this, I, I need to go from here to here. I believe to get to here from here, I'm going to need a customer service department. I'm going to need web development team in-house and I'm going to need this in-house. And they start overspending on mm. people. People are the most, most expensive mm. um, uh, asset that you have inside your company, period, the end. Talk to anybody who has a team and ask them, what's your number one greatest expense in your company? They will say, fucking employees, right? <laughs> it's, it's. It is an expensive thing. So targeting the right person, yeah, yeah. incentivizing yeah. them properly, and making sure that they're gonna be part of your growth, that's, that's the person I want. That's great, that's great. I, I feel like there's almost small touch points on everything when it comes to fail to scale. Like, yep. we've basically covered most of the touch points, but is there anything else you can leave for someone who's like, I'm, you know, they're growing a little bit, but they're ready to grow quick, or they're ready to scale, or they're really ready to build. You know, you mentioned the team, you mentioned know your core competency, your goals, know where you're going, know what to measure. Anything else that you hear people come up with a lot um, that's sometimes, you know, less tangible, but any little yeah, tidbits? I, I'll tell you, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm pitching something and I'm not, but I will tell you the number one accelerator to our growth in anything. And by the way, this goes back to something that I said before, the board of directors, the number one accelerator to everything in my companies. The number one most important decision that I ever made, most valuable decision, was to bring on smart people. Um, and, that, and, and, and so mine started with mentors. You probably yeah. know one of my first mentors. Uh, it was in the per because you mentioned personal development. Um, Bob Proctor was one of my very first mentors. And, uh, and, it, and I literally put two credit cards together to fit into his um, mastermind program. It was called the CC Coaching Program back then. I forget exactly what the CC stand for. <clears throat> but it was great. Bob and I became friends. Bob became a client of mine after that in order to help grow his company. I saw that. I we, saw a testimonial yeah. or a thing from him. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's the, 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 the circle when you when you get in with the right people is just massive, yeah. right? So, And that's happened with several of my mentors where they where I have become a mentor of theirs also. And so you'll, you can see some of those videos cool. on our website. But um, – but mentors, I think, are the most number most important thing. Somebody who is who has done what you want to do, not once. Once is luck, and I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to say that. Um, but one time does not mean you could duplicate your results. That's great. Two times, okay. You've done something that I want to achieve three times or more. Holy shit, you you know it. Like I want to sit down with you because you could collapse time frames for me. And help me get from here to there, not in 10 years, but in one year, right? That's important to me. I want those people. And I have mentors in every single area of my life. Um, and it's important to me. The board was something that came from that concept um, when I had some money. And I could say, okay, I got a chunk of change coming in. This is what I, I really need this. I need, to, I need it fast. I need, I need to know this stuff fast. It's not just a one-person thing. What do I do next stage of my life now that I have some money coming in? Boom, I got to put together a group. Super powerful. Super powerful. 
I've been taking notes all day. All of these notes are going to be below. I'm going to ask you for some links right before I do. And I ask this of everyone. If you need to take 30 seconds of silence, it's totally cool. This can be business or personal or anything. But if you could reach out with this one little shiny nugget and just give someone a little bit of wisdom, an idea that you were like, just use this idea. Where you're at right now in your life and your business, go back 20, 30 years and just hand it down. Um, or if this was going to be written on your tombstone and this is what you were going to be known for or however deep you want to go with this, what would that be? I, I want to lead by example. I want to lead by example for my kids, for those around me, uh, for my team members, for my customers, for my prospects. I want to lead by example. I want them to know that there's a level of trust and respect in me for them and then there should be a level of trust and respect for what i'm doing because of my actions not because of what i think or what i say but because of what i do um which is uh, i'm going to move it in a slightly different direction um that's the answer to my question but the um knowing people and knowing ourselves we could never know what we are going to do unless we have a rule of thumb our rule of thumb is always Never judge a person by what they think or they say, only by what they do. Because the greatest people in the world think they're gonna be great tomorrow. They think they're gonna do what they, what they say. They're all excited. They think it, they say it, but they don't do it, right? So the tra we look for track records always. My leaders, we teach this all the time, a leader needs to know how to find team members. They need to know how to and quickly and easily figure out if somebody that they're talking to is going to be great. Not if they're a bullshit artist, that's, that's one, talent that you need to uh, acquire, but to know what to expect. Is this person predictable? Do we want them on our team? We look at them and we try to figure out what are they saying? What are they thinking? But really, what did they do? And then as a leader, am I a great leader? Well, I don't care what I think I'm going to do. I don't care what I say I'm going to do. What have I done? Right? And I judge myself the same way I judge anybody else by what I've been doing. Have I been treating people right? Have I been building the right communities inside of my company? Have I been building the right communities inside of my businesses uh, for my prospects to get great value before they even buy anything? Um, do, I, do I always deliver value to people mm. even if I'm not getting paid? Like mm. I wanna be known mm -hmm. to always be delivering value, not to be taken advantage of, mm -hmm. right? But, but to be able to deliver great value and help somebody achieve just because I can do that. And so those are a couple of things that I would like to be known for and that I hope that I am. You, you have, you said, you thought you said you did on this podcast. You delivered a massive amount of value, so much so that I'm excited to, in full disclosure, I have not dived into the Built to Grow podcast, but I will be downloading it after our chat. And I usually listen to a podcast before I go to sleep. Um, so I'll definitely be diving into that. If people want to learn more about you, find more about you, I'm going to be dropping all the links that I can. Definitely Built to Grow podcast. What else do you got that you'd love people to jump by? Or is that your main source of uh, value right now? Well, uh, ChrisGuerrero.com. Yeah. You cool. know, if you could actually spell that out, because I'm sure most people can. <laughs> totally. I will. I'll have that down below, yeah. the link below. ChrisGuerrero.com. On there, you can uh, access podcasts, articles, um, some of the tools that we use, you get information about my company, what we do, some of the some of the tactics that some of our clients have used to 
you know, double, triple, quadruple, 20 times their growth. And you can, and you'll see videos about people saying, yeah, this is, this is what I did. And now instead of making 200 grand a month, now I'm making 2 million a month, or, you know, uh, this is what I did to literally sell my company and, and be able to cash out and do some great things with my life. Here's what I did in order to acquire three other companies over the course of the last two years, which allowed us to scale multiple times more than I could have ever thought uh, or imagined. It's, it's fun shit that we have on there. Outside of that, uh, we have, uh, you know, the YouTube channel, I believe it's chrisguerrero.com. I'm sorry, it's Chris Guerrero. Uh, if you, if that doesn't come up there, then it's built to grow. Those are the two brands. We'll put all those links below and I'll get all the links from you. Um, Thank to you. put them below. I soup. This has given even me just like, and I know people listening are probably fired up, but I'm like fired up to attack another few weeks. So thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.